Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will go into Salt and Light storage and bring out some of our favorite conversations. First, illustrator Sharon Line tells us about the new Saints for Kids app and we meet singer-songwriter Amanda Vernon. In our second half hour, Sean Carney, co-founder of the 40 Days for Life, tells us about the new book about the pro-life campaign. At the end of the program, we speak with Salt and Light Hour featured artist Matt Marr. We begin now with Saints for Kids. I think I say this every time I find a good resource for Catholic parents. We're always looking for books, movies, website, anything that can help us walk that Catholic journey with our kids. And who else better to help us in our journey than the saints? And now there's a tool that can help you introduce your children to that community of saints. And I'm now joined by Sharon Line. She's one of the developers and the illustrator of the Saint of the Day for Kids, which is an iOS app that aims to share saints with kids in a way that they can understand. Sharon, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, that was a very poor description, but tell us a little (laughs) more about this ad. So what does it look like? What features does it have? How does it work? Well, it's actually a really simple concept. Uh, For $2, you get access to 365 saints that you can read about uh, that you can pray with. We've got a little prayer for each saint of the day. And then you can email yourself the illustration and print it out for your children to color in. So it's really an easy thing for children to use at any age. Um, we've got, you can search from the calendar, you can search alphabetically. Uh, there's a number of ways that you can actually look at the saints. My three-year-old daughter has been able to use the iPad, you know, before she could string a sentence together. So, uh, you know, this is the age we're living in, so this is just an opportunity to have these saints available to them and just another way to expose them in their faith, and they're... we're really excited about it. Uh-huh. So you and I guess your colleagues who developed the yeah. app, um, how did the idea come about? Were you just sitting around one day look, thinking, how did, the, <laughs> how did you come up with this idea? Well, actually, it was uh, my sister, Sandra. Uh-huh. She initially, this was about two years ago since the uh, you know, concept uh-huh. came up. Yep. She was interested in wanting to create, to develop a wall calendar for our kids. She had seen one, uh, but it cost about $300 (laughs) to buy it. So initially, that's what we were going to do. We were just going to do the illustrations and make a wall calendar. So you mean with Saints of the Day? That's right, yes. Uh, And it was just for our family. Um, And then it was actually her husband, Carrie, Mm -hmm. who's a graphic designer, that suggested we look at making the app. Because when he researched it, he was surprised to discover that there weren't any of its kind. So right. we jumped at the opportunity, and for two years we had this panicked feeling like, please, no one else have this idea. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that's how it was developed. Um, and then we actually uh, asked a friend, Aaron, to help out because, you know, 365 days, that's a lot of saint descriptions. It takes a lot of time to research. So, uh-huh. um Sandra and Aaron actually did all the descriptions. They researched all the saints. And what was interesting, one of the reasons why we wanted this particularly for kids, 
is because when you look at when you look up different websites to read about the saints, the descriptions aren't really kid friendly. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So uh, you know, we were like, how do we explain? To our three-year-olds, what filleted alive means? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they focused more on the martyrdom of the saints than they did on their lives. And yeah. when you're a teenager, the martyrdom's the cool part. Yeah. But we really wanted our kids, um, you know, who are mostly seven years old and younger, to right. learn about the actual life yeah. of the saint, to be able to relate to them. You know, to know that. They took piano lessons, too. You know, they got yeah. into mischief. And yeah. um, so that's what I tried to do, especially with the illustrations, connect them more with... Right. Okay. So let me ask you about that, because so you did yeah. all the... Illust- so that's 365 illustrations, yeah. one for each saint, or are there several illustrations of different parts of their lives? How does that work? One for each saint. Uh-huh. Uh, so one for every every day of the year. Yeah. Um, and what, what I did was I would get the description from Aaron and Sandra. I would look up the saint and see kind of what images were out there of them. And I would, tried really hard to make my illustrations more about the description. So if they talked more about their childhood, I really wanted to make sure that it illustrated the actual child. Okay. Um, so, for example... Blessed Pope John Paul II, the images that we see of him usually are of him in his white cap and the white dress, you know, yeah. as Pope. But in our description, it's mentioned that he was an actor. So I wanted to be able to draw him as a theater lover, because how right. many children love movies yeah. or love plays? So um, we wanted to make it different enough that, uh, you know, there wasn't an image like mm-hmm. it out there and kids were able to relate to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned that your daughter is three, and That's she's right. already using the iPad. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, what, and and no, no judgment here, but what would you say to parents who say that, that kids should not be using technology that young, and, and we should be reading them books instead of giving them apps for the iPad? For me, personally, and me and my husband, you know, we're big Mac fans, but <laughs> um, I think it's a healthy balance, you know, we, for our daughter, and I know my sister and her husband, um, we monitor how much TV they watch mm-hmm. and how much they play with the iPad or the iPhone, and we certainly monitor what they're playing with, right? Right. Uh, but we can't, my husband and I, we believe that we can't be in denial of the world that we live in. Right. And these kids are going to be exposed to apps and to games and to TV shows. So the best that we can do is to teach them, um, you know, the the better choices to make with them, mm-hmm. how to use them responsibly, um, to make healthy choices. Because for us, we think if we deprive them of everything right. that their friends are exposed to, eventually, you know, we've seen it being pushed pushed further when they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I are both youth ministers, so we've seen both sides, you know, the kind of the overprotective parenting, the loose parenting, and then the ones in the middle seem to be a bit more grounded, and they learn how to use it responsibly. Right. Um, So 
we've we've seen and we allow her to use great apps with you know books and reading mm-hmm. on the app and drawing and things like that. So good mix. But what we appreciate about this app is that it's faith based. It yeah, helps them to grow course, in their faith. Of course. Now you could have done any any other part of our Catholic faith as an app. Why did you? Um, why saints? What what? Why is it important to teach our kids about the saints? I think they're just so inspiring. Um, my sister and I, when we were discussing this, uh, talking about the the lives of the saints and how much uh, they've impacted the world, not just Catholics. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear all these Christian people quoting Saint Francis yeah, of Assisi and all of these yep. all yep. of these great people, and we wanted them to have role models because right now the role models that a lot of kids grow up with are actors and actresses and musicians and yet here you have um, powerful holy people who lived just like they did and we want them to be exposed to that uh, now as children and grow up with them learning about them and appreciating them and being inspired to live like them. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of why we wanted that route. It's just they've been inspiring to us. I remember mm-hmm. watching little cartoon videos of saints that my mom would yeah. make us watch. Yes. And, and I remember those stories, and I have a huge love and passion for uh, the children of Fatima. Yes. Because when I was a child, I watched the cartoons. Yes. Um, yes. So this is just a way, a, a different way to expose them to... To really inspiring people that hopefully they can relate to and and want to be like and absolutely imitate. absolutely mm-hmm. so okay so it's a dollar ninety nine easy download it's available off iTunes at the iTunes store the app store but that's it's also right. at your website saint of the day for kids dot com that's so it's right easy to find if people go in their search engine and they type it type saint of the day for kids they'll they'll find it so, that's right so there's yeah. no excuses it's not expensive. <laughs> And but you do need to have an iPhone or an iPad or some other device that can. Yes. That can our our next big project is actually uh, trying to get it out to Android users perfect. as well. So that would yeah. be great. And and then you are going to add 365 more saints so that we don't keep recycling the same ones, right? <laughs> well, that's our hope. We will eventually build on that. It's it's a lot of work, but uh, we want to add more saints and add color and. And a few added features. So. Excellent. No, it's 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 very. I haven't had a chance to 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 download the app and play around with it, but I saw what's on the website and it sounds fabulous. So, Definitely. And if you need to learn how to use it, ask your kid. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, Sharon, for for you're sharing welcome. a little bit of of that with us today, and and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much for having me. Sharon Line drew all the saint images for the Saint of the Day for Kids app. You can find out more and download the app at saintofthedayforkids.com and also visit them on Facebook, Saint of the Day for Kids, um, and then you can share it with all your friends. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Amanda Vernon, with Cleaning and Scrubbing from her new album, Interior Gate. Scrubbing can wait till tomorrow. Babies grow up, we've learned to our sorrow. So quiet down cobwebs and dust, go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby, and babies don't keep. Hallelujah, angels sing. 
Was Amanda Vernon with cleaning and scrubbing from her new album Interior Gaze. In 2008, I was at the, at the Eucharistic Congress in Quebec City with some free time, so I went to check out the music tent, and I met a lovely young woman, Amanda Vernon. And no, not only was she lovely, but she was also very talented. And today, Amanda Vernon is a recording artist. She's a singer. She's a pianist. She's a composer in a genre of music that she describes as soulful pop music. When she was 15 years old, she recorded her first album, thus beginning her ministry and her career. And Amanda is just putting the finishing touches on her fifth and latest album, Interior Gaze. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Amanda Vernon. Amanda, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, thank you, Nikki Pedro. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to hear your voice again. I know, it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> 2000, and I know, I was thinking 2000, and that was a long time ago. But look at you now. So, okay, so um, let's let's back up even f- before 2008, because I, I understand that you grew up in a musical home. You obviously were learning music. Um, was it a Catholic home? Yes, yeah, both of my parents are Catholic, and they raised me in the States, and they always taught me that all good gifts are from God, including the gift of song, which which I showed a, a liking to at a young age. So they taught me that my music needs to go hand in hand with my faith at all times. So, and when you were a teenager or, or, an, or a young adult, you never went through a period of, 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 of leaving church or doubting or anything like that? I would say during my teenage years, 
I I wouldn't say I had no doubts, but I didn't I didn't stray from the faith in a sense of leaving church or or separating myself from my community because I just had so much joy being part of the community and you know as I as I was growing up and exploring how does this faith actually impact me on a personal level mm-hmm. I always I always loved having the surrounding arms of a Catholic community you know to, right. to surround me on that journey right so tell me about this this first album when you were 15 years old for sure I released an album called Shine Through Me when uh-huh. I was 15. There was, a, there was a deacon at our at our church who was the director of youth ministry, and he knew that I was writing songs because, okay, so I'm dating myself. This is 10 years ago, okay? I, we had cassette tapes that I would make, and I'd give them to my friends, and they would play them even when I wasn't there. So That's great. So he figured that there was something to this since they were listening to them in their spare time sort of thing. And so he said, you know, we have this little budget for youth ministry. Amanda, would you like to use this to make a CD, and that was just the start of what has blossomed into a career and really a ministry that I've been able to share around the world. So it's all thanks to a deacon. See, I, I knew it. I knew it's, it's all deacons. Deacons deacons are, are the one. So wait, okay, so you said you were dating yourself, but you can't be dating yourself that much because if you were 15 in 2003, right? Right. So yeah. in 2008, when I met you at the Eucharistic Congress... You were still 19? Yeah, 20? so I was 18, 19. 18. Yeah, I wow. think I was just, uh, I think I was 18 that summer. But you were already, so. so it was the summer when I was 19, that's right. But, but okay, so hold on a second, because so, one, two, three, in 2008 <laughs> oh, you already no. had four albums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell, tell us about that, how does that happen? Well, I was, in, in addition to being raised in a, in a very Catholic faithful home, I was homeschooled also. Uh-huh. I mean, you can just picture this, right? I'm the oldest of seven. My family has that big oh, van where they, you know, all of, all of us around together sort of thing. And, and uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. I could play with my brothers and sisters or study or I could write music. So that's, I, I wrote a lot of music. And, uh, but I, I mean, I say this kind of jokingly, but it's really true that that extra time was such a blessing because I was able to spend moments of silence each day of looking inside and saying, you know, what are what's on my heart and what am I called to do and what are the gifts that I feel passionate about. And it was through that that um, opportunity to, I think, be homeschooled that mm-hmm. I was then able to spend, you know, those years of putting um, my musical talent to work in, in recording projects. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I guess with the support of your parents, because recording, I mean, it's not like you had a recording studio in your basement, did you? <laughs> no, no, we didn't, but actually, uh, from a financial standpoint, because you're thinking, you know, as a parent, how, did, how does yeah. that work? You know, I have this little child who wants to be a recording artist. Okay, honey. Well, it was such a gift that the parish financially backed my first project so that I was able to, just from the CD sales, right, take that money and put it back into another really? recording project. So it just it went along like that. So it just keeps funding itself. All thanks to that deacon. It all goes back <laughs> to the deacon. deacon. deacon Ken. <laughs> so, so then you, yeah, God bless the deacons. Um, so <laughs> so you, you said that you had all this time to every day to look inside, and that, that sounds uh, awfully like the title of your new album, Into Your Gaze. And I know that that's a phrase taken from 
uh, JP2's Theology of the Body. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like that's just a phrase that means a lot to you. What, 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 mm -hmm. uh, why does that phrase inspire you? Sure. I think you're right, Deacon Pedro, that interior gaze speaks of prayer, really, of looking inside. But when I first heard those words together, it was in the theology of the body from John Paul II. Mm -hmm. He was speaking of the moment when Adam and Eve first met in the mm -hmm. Garden of Eden. Now, this was before the fall, before they had you know shame kind of in front of their eyes. But they were able to see each other and see the exterior that they mm -hmm. see on the outside as a sign of who they are deep inside of, of that mystery of creation in each of them. Mm -hmm. And that phrase just, just resonated with me, and I thought, that's the way that that I want people to look at me. That's the way I want to be able to look at others. And so that idea has really been the driving force behind my songwriting in the last few years. So, okay, so let me clarify. So it's not an interior gaze at yourself, but rather seeing through people's exteriors into their interior? Is that what it means? I think it's both. And, and that's you know, such a Catholic answer, right? It's both and. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the way that I see myself, but then it's also the way that I can turn to my neighbor and, and or, or say my husband. I can look at him and see, you know, the goodness of who he is, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I look at, really at his body. And, and I can see not only just a body, just his eyes and his lips and his skin, but really who he is at the core of his being. So how does that phrase then inspired you, or, or maybe it didn't, but uh, what's the connection with the album? Is, are, are all the songs inspired by that particular idea, or what's the connection? I would say that idea does, it, it weaves in and out through all the lyrics of my new album, and of course the, the title of the album is Interior Days, and there's a song with that title as yep. well. But it's really a standard, and it's a standard that I, I aim for, and, and it's the way that I measure are my relationships going well, because when we have an interior gaze, then we have a peacefulness. Mm -hmm. And when someone else looks at me with that interior gaze, I, I'm able to be confident knowing that they really see me. They're not just judging or objectifying, but, but appreciating who I am. And so every song that I write, even if it's just some kind of um, upbeat sort of pop tune, mm -hmm. it, it, the reference is, is, is this living up to that piece of the interior gaze? And if it's not, then there's something of sadness in it that is crying out to be at that place. Right, right. Now, you've had almost a new album every year or every other year. Um, this is your 2013 album. What's what's new? Are you working already working on, on something else? <laughs> okay, yes. Actually, you, <laughs> yes. you know, uh, as an artist, I probably am, right? So I'm, about, I'm re just on the doorstep of releasing this interior gaze, and I do have a lot of new, even newer songs, though, kind of waiting to go. But I'm really praying, Deacon Pedro, about the direction that we should take, because I have a liturgical music ministry, and then I have now some pop music that that is a complement to that, mm -hmm. and I just am waiting to see what doors got open. Should I release a CD that's all liturgical music? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe with a publisher, because I'm an independent artist right now. Yeah. Or um, there's also the option of, of releasing something in Spanish, so... Right. I guess I'm just kind of waiting to see to take God's lead for that next step. Yeah, that's right. We should mention that you do you do sing in Spanish as well. So we have 
um, Spanish listeners, you, you would they would appreciate uh, some of the stuff that you have in Spanish. Um, so I know that you're going to be sort of busy in the summer or in the next couple months. You have Catholic Fest in Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin, Life Fest in Oshkosh, also in Wisconsin, Exclaim in Toledo, Ohio, and you're going to be at NCYC in Indianapolis. And I know a lot of our listeners are also hoping to be at NCYC. So look Amanda up. She's busy. She's good. We've already heard two of your songs, and we're going to play another one. So uh, I hope that people are enjoying what they're listening. I, I love what you're doing, and it's great to connect with you again. Uh, keep doing it. I look forward to the next to the next album, and uh, and I look forward to staying in touch now that we've reconnected, Amanda. So keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Thanks so much. God bless. Amanda Vernon's new album, Interior Gaze, is scheduled to drop on May 31st. If you're in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, be sure to go to her CD release concert on that day. And you can find out more about that and about Amanda and all her music at amandavernon.com. And we are actually going to be giving a copy away of Interior Gaze. Um, so visit our website, uh, saltandlighttv.org radio, and stay connected so you can uh, have a chance to win that album. And here now from her new album, Interior Gaze, is Amanda Vernon with her song, In Real Life. More than my picture on a plastic screen, more than my name in my biography, more than my favorite football team, I want you to see. listening to Amanda Vernon with In Real Life from her album Interior Gaze. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. This year is the 40th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, and today abortion has become the leading cause of death worldwide, ending the lives of more than 42 million children each year and harming millions of women and men. But there is hope. Beginning with one hour of prayer in Texas in 2004, the 40 Days for Life movement of prayer and fasting, peaceful vigils, and community outreach has mobilized more than half a million volunteers in 481 cities around the world. Over 6,000 babies have been spared from abortion. 75 abortion workers have had a change of heart and quit their jobs. 25 abortion centers have closed. And every baby, every changed heart, every closure is an amazing story. And now, there is a book to tell us this story. I'm now joined by the co-author of 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do, Sean Carney. Sean, welcome to, s to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon. It's good to be on. How are you this 
How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Um, and you must be really busy. Tell us about, well, I, I always read that 40 Days is, is, is a groundbreaking campaign. Why, why was it described as groundbreaking? Well, I think it's groundbreaking because it's focused on prayer. And, you know, as you mentioned in, in your opening, we just passed the 40th anniversary of legalized abortion. We've now last lost 55 million children uh, to abortion. And that's a call to return to prayer. Uh, a country that has aborted 55 million uh, children is a country that is drifting quickly away from God. And so that's why uh, the... 40 Days for Life movement is centered on prayer, it's centered on fasting, community outreach, and going to where these abortions actually happen, holding peaceful vigils uh, outside of them. We've seen, uh, we've been so humbled over the last five years as we've seen 40 Days for Life go to 481 cities in 15 uh, different countries, and that's what makes it groundbreaking, is that it's, it's based on prayer. And most of the people, of the, the 550,000 people who have participated in, in 40 Days for Life, uh, they want to do something more for the woman who's scheduled to have an abortion in their community today mm-hmm. or this weekend or next week. And 40 Days for Life has been that avenue. Right. So, yeah, because you don't think that just standing and praying would do anything, but <laughs> I guess we, we know the power of prayer. Um, how did you get involved, Sean? Well, first, I was the last person that ever thought that I'd be, you know, in the pro-life movement to the level that I am. I went to Texas A&M University in right. College Station, Texas, and, yeah. and was invited by my then-girlfriend, uh, now wife, to go out and to pray peacefully in front of our local Planned Parenthood abortion facility. Uh, I had never seen an abortion facility at the time, and yeah. to my knowledge, had never met a woman who had ever had an abortion. And so it was really a profound experience, and I, I think that what most people think of of uh, that scene, uh, we, sometimes we believe the stereotypes and assume it's going to be self-righteous Christians screaming at women going in for abortions, telling them they're going to hell, yeah. and it was quite the opposite. It was very sad, it was very sobering, and you really see the pain of abortion as you see women uh, who obviously don't want to make that appointment and don't want to walk in and have an abortion. And, it, and, and you see the pain written all over their face uh, right. before and after the abortion. And so it really uh, struck my heart as I was, you know, 18, 19 years old at uh-huh. the time, just a, a college freshman. So I got more involved and, and was fortunate enough to hear post-abortive women give their testimonies. And that, again, was, was a time in college that really convicted my heart uh, to do more. And so, uh, you know, from from the beginning, I've always encouraged people to, to go out and to peacefully pray in front of their local abortion facilities. We had no idea that after conducting the first ever 40 Days for Life campaign in the fall of 2004, that God would spread this effort to so many different cities uh, to where now uh, we've had so many people participate. So that one, that, that prayer vigil that you went to, was that the first 40 Days for Life in, in College Station? No, it wasn't actually. It was in the fall of 2004 uh, when David B. Wright and myself yeah. and my wife were, were seeing our local abortion numbers go, go up, and so we spent one hour in prayer asking God how we could impact our local abortion numbers, and, and 40 days just came to us. Okay, so, so you, you, you were part of the, the, the actual beginning of 40 days with David B. Wright, you and your yes. wife. Yeah. Yes, and that, you know, that's the irony, too, is that that was just one local campaign in College Station, Texas, that we never imagined would ever leave Texas, much less 
go across the United States and, and beyond, and Amen. it shows what God can do uh, with a simple plea uh, from from His people to uh, to bring an end to this injustice at the local level. I know it's amazing. So it's been seven years, almost seven years, and you've been involved quite actively. So what? I guess what has been the biggest challenge, or what is the, still the biggest challenge that we face in with this movement? That, that's a great question. And during the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, it, it is by far the greatest challenge to the pro-life movement to overcome discouragement. At huh. times, this can be a very discouraging work. Uh, we live in a very cynical world. We we live at a time when when people uh, toss out hope or just disregard. Uh, good, good stories, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we put together the book uh, of mm-hmm. Forty Days for Life. Because now, perhaps more than ever, we need to hear stories of hearts changed on the most controversial issue of our time. I mean, often the problem is we don't want to talk about abortion because we assume, well, I have my position and you have your position, and what good does it do to right. talk about it? We'll just argue, and so we kind of throw our hands up in the air and, and think that abortion's here to stay, and that no one will change their mind, and, and that's just not true. We've seen nearly 7,000 women change their minds at the very last moment, just before they, they went into their abortion appointment. Mm-hmm. We've seen 75 abortion clinic workers, those working uh, in the industry, have conversions and leave their jobs, and it's because of the prayer. And uh, we, we have to, especially after, you know, uh, having 40 years of abortion, we have to set aside that cynicism and say, no, there is hope uh, for our country. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there is hope uh, to build a culture of life, even on the front lines, uh, right where the abortions actually happen. So in the book, you're not just telling the story of 40 days of, of life, 40 days for life, but you're telling the story of all these, these people who've been touched and of all the, the blessings that you've seen over the last seven years. Absolutely, and and some of the most uh, surprising and and unpredictable stories uh, in the book are those of the actual volunteers and Mm -hmm. the leaders of of 40 Days for Life. You know, sometimes we get involved in in an activity like this, wanting to charge off and save the entire world, uh, but often it's our own hearts that are transformed. It's our own uh, souls that need to be worked on. And, and those are the most beautiful stories. And, and yes, you know, it includes stories about, you know, moms choosing life at the last moment and then abortion facilities closing and abortion clinic workers having conversions. But uh, it, it's really throughout the flow of the book is the story of, of those uh, who are involved and, mm-hmm. and, and what's going on uh, in the lives of these moms and in the lives of these workers. And so it's it's really, uh, it's been exciting. It's something we worked on, you know, uh, for, for the last few months, and, and yeah. we just, we hope God really uses it. We are excited when we, we mailed it out to a few national leaders. We, we got an endorsement from, uh, from Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the nice. Family, and an endorsement Excellent. from yeah. George, George Weigel, the uh, biographer of Pope John Paul II. Excellent. So we really want it to be something that offers hope at a time when, when a lot of people are looking for that. I'm glad you mentioned Jim Daly, a focus on the family, because sometimes uh, I know that among Catholics, we kind of take ownership of 40 Days for Life as a Catholic thing. And sometimes I find that non-Catholics won't go out, but you found that that's not true. I mean, this is something for anyone, any faith. Do you find that there's that support from other Christian groups and even other faith groups or any groups Absolutely. at all? 
Absolutely, and and Jim Daly has been an excellent example of that. Uh, and he he interviewed uh, me whenever Abby Johnson had yeah. had her conversion uh, two years ago and and left her job at Planned Parenthood. And uh, I got to spend some time with Jim, and he uh, he has made extra efforts to not only reach out to but work alongside uh, Catholics. Yeah. And that's an extremely uh, huge blessing. I mean, to have any book, whether it was a, a pro-life book or not, but to have any book endorsed by uh, the president of Focus on the Family and the biographer of Pope John Paul II yeah, really shows the, the progress that we're making yeah, in the movement. Talk, talk about, in fact, I, I heard your interview with, with on Focus on the Family. Now, the, the campaign 2013 is beginning. It, it, I know that it's not restricted to, to Lent, but you do a campaign during Lent, so that's starting in, in uh, a week and, and a bit. On, on Ash Wednesday, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about how this campaign is? Is it the same as always? Do you have new cities, new countries participating? Yes, uh, a few new countries and, and uh, one new city, including Moscow, Russia, wow. and, and Cape Town, South Africa. And so we've really seen an expansion uh, in the international efforts, starting with the UK. The United Kingdom had their first 40 Days for Life campaign two years ago with uh-huh. just one campaign. And in a span of two years, they went from one campaign to ten campaigns, and so it, it, it really is a is a case of of other countries looking to uh, North America and, and looking for hope. Our 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 culture has spread uh, around the world, and sometimes that's good. But in the case of abortion, we're spreading a culture of death, and it's it's encouraging to see that where that culture of death goes, they're also looking to North America yeah. uh, for a solution. And uh, 40 Days for Life has been a prayerful solution. The campaign actually starts on Ash Wednesday. It ends Palm Sunday. Uh-huh. And so we're, we're extremely excited. People uh, will be able to go to 40daysforlife.com and look at the location nearest them. Excellent. So, yeah, so if you're in the States, there's 261 cities, 44 states. It's in, but it's also in Canada, Australia, England, like you mentioned. Spain, Poland, and then you mentioned these new countries, Russia, uh, South Africa, and then I know Nigeria and Wales. I don't know if you have any listeners in Nigeria and Wales, but you never know, um, through the power of the Internet. Um, Sean, it's been great <laughs> chatting with you, having you on the program. I- I'm a big supporter. I love what you guys are doing. I'm very excited, and uh, I'm very excited uh, about the book. So thank you for sharing a little bit about what you do with us today. Well, thank you, Deacon, and thanks for all that you're doing to build the church. Sean Carney is the campaign director for 40 Days for Life. He's also the co-author of 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do, published by Capella Books. You can learn more about 40 Days for Life and about the book at 40daysforlife.com. That's the number 4040daysforlife.com. But we'll have that link on our website as well so you can find it easily. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Matt Marr, with Lord, I Need You from his new album, All the People Said Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one 
Where sin runs deep Your grace is more Grace is found Is where you are Where you are Lord, I am free Holiness Is Christ in me Matt Marr with Lord I Need You from his new album All the People Said Amen. And I think it's a good bet that all of you who listen to Christian music have heard of Matt Marr. His songs hold us together and Your Grace is Enough are sung in parishes and life teen groups everywhere. In fact, a couple of the songs from his latest album, like the one we just heard, Lord I Need You, are already being sung in my parish. Now I met Matt in 2002 when he was just beginning his career. He was single. But now he's married, he's moved to Nashville, and he's recently become a dad. So lots has changed. And now he has a new album that I've heard it's been described as a milestone for Matt. Also a bit of a musical collage. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Matt Marr. Matt, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks for having me. So congratulations on becoming a dad. How, how is life? <laughs> Yeah, that's the real accomplishment, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it it's a real gift. I mean, it, you know, a, marriage is a gift in and of itself, but then, you know, when you realize when you're really open sort of to the fullness of what marriage has to offer um, with the inclusion of of, uh, of a family, mm-hmm. obviously a husband and wife, were, you know, they're, you're a family and you're sat and you're, yeah. you know, you're covenant with God. But when that, when that new life comes in the form of children, it... Um, I think for me, it has really simplified in some ways my spiritual journey, because mm-hmm. um, it's given me a, de- uh, a, a very, very vulnerable, dependent person to take care of yeah. and to nurture, and um, you sort of instantaneously develop 
um, a level of affection and concern for a person, and they didn't do anything to mm-hmm. warrant it. Mm-hmm. It just sort of happened. And mm-hmm. it, I think for me it's sort of a window into the unconditional love of God mm-hmm. and, um, and, and how um, patient he is with us, how merciful he is with us, how good he is with us. And, and uh, so I think for me, ever since I became a dad, it's really opened my eyes more to the sort of the full um, dimension of the gospel yeah. And um, and, it, and it it sort of creates this infinite loop where it points you to God and then God points you back to your family. Yeah, yeah. And um, it pulls you outside of yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, and yeah. I, I know that our new Holy Father, Pope Francis, he, he, he's been sort of talking, I keep seeing him talking about this, that the Church needs to, you know, not be so inwardly focused. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, narcissism is such a hard thing, but... Yeah, it's hard to be a narcissist if you want to be a good parent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, or a good husband. Um, you know, for, Amen. Me, it, for me, there was something, I mean, absolutely you understand the whole, you know, God as parent, but the, as a dad myself, to understand God as father, there's something yeah. I think also for fathers there that, that was quite amazing. And my, my oldest son is going to be 17 now, so that's just crazy. They, they grow, I so enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, <laughs> So, so, so let's talk about the other milestone. <laughs> um, and I, I was trying to keep track of your album. This is your sixth album or your seventh? You probably don't even know. Um, I don't know. I'm still... No, I, I can tell you really quick. It is my, it is my seventh. Yeah, okay. Because I'm still stuck with, with the end and the beginning. I love that album. <laughs> That's yeah, your, the, the very first one. I love that one. So, so why, why are people describing this one as a milestone? Well, I think it, it really does represent the culmination of of not just seven albums, but seven years of touring and traveling. Uh-huh. Um, for me, uh, you know, it represents, um, I think, the end of a chapter in a way, you know, moving from Phoenix, you know, where I you know, obviously I grew up in St. John's and moved to Arizona when I was 20. Yeah. Had a conversion, started reading attending Mass and participating in the sacraments, got involved in youth ministry uh, through Life Team, and um, and still sort of involved as an advocate for Life Team. I'm on the board, but I haven't. I don't really do a lot of direct ministry mm-hmm. necessarily with you know Life Team a lot. I'm, I'm on the road a lot on tour, and so yeah. this record really, in some ways, it encapsulates, I think, everywhere that I've been, but also everywhere that I am, and it points a little bit in the, of the direction to the future, um, which I think for me is was kind of more about the sound, uh, sort of the sound of it, yeah. finding my voice and um, finding how I want to try to write about, you know, the different aspects of mysteries of the church, you know. Um, right. So I think, I mean, I guess hopefully that, that maybe that's what some people mean by when is it they say a milestone? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't heard that. that. That's a huge compliment. Oh, so. no, you know what? No, but it's almost like it's a what? It's like, is he is he done? <laughs> is this <laughs> it? You know, is he done touring? Can you talk a little bit about the cover? Because I think that the cover, the fact that it's this collage of all these different experiences from your life. I mean, there's even, I think, a wedding picture. Um, mm. the, the, all these, is that the way you see the album as, as a bit of a montage or collage of, of your yeah, and I was, that's a great word to describe it, is collage, because that's funny, that's the word that came to prayer. Um, huh. I'm not I'm not a visual artist. Um, <laughs> I don't claim to be. Yeah. I probably would have failed art class in high school yeah. and in college, but 
I had I had strong memories. I have strong memories of of growing up in the 80s and being in middle school. Mm-hmm. And remember going and everybody I knew seemed to have a collage on their wall. <laughs> and you know, yeah, everybody had yeah, it. You yes, know, and there was yes. all, there was there was a couple of standard. You know, sort of there was always maybe a picture of Johnny Depp or of you two or yeah. of yeah. you know yeah. um, a black and white photo photography. Yeah. Um, and when I was thinking about this album, I just kept saying, I, I want to make a collage, but instead of, you know, just kitschy pop culture references, I thought it'd be great to have photos of us live mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, photos from my own life, and then just images of just sacred art. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously being a Catholic, just the sacred heart of Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. the Immaculate Heart of Mary, images of Pentecost, images of, you know, um, you know, that sort of depict or point towards the mass by rosaries on the cover, sort of in the in the bottom right corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and and so it, it, and I didn't really know why I was doing it until the day that we made it. And and what's funny is the record label was still trying to figure out how to to talk about this album mm-hmm. because in in the record industry, if you call an album a live album, um, it's sort of like the kiss of death when it comes to the record actually selling. Right. For whatever reason, and. So I was, we were at lunch and we were talking about it and talking about it and then finally it was just, it hit me. I was like, it's a musical collage. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's not, a, it's a collection of, of songs over the past, you know, so many years. And I don't think for me, it doesn't feel like an ending, um, of, you know, touring or ministry. It does feel like the end of a chapter. I right. mean, all the, yeah. you know, um, of, of the four original band members that first started touring with me, only one is left. Yeah. Um, the other two have kind of gotten off the road for different career pursuits mm-hmm. and, and family. And and so I, I definitely think that people are right in sensing that it does feel like the end of a, of a certain chapter, but I definitely feel uh, excited about the future and, and what, you know, what, what God wants to do. But I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, kind of claim to, to know what that looks like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that, you know, we're obviously going to be throughout the rest of this year touring a little bit and promoting this record and, um, you know, trying to help point people towards it. And, and it is a funny thing because it is like, it's funny that when it, when an album like that gets well received, it generates a certain level of interest, you know, again. And, and, um, for and sure. So I think I'm, you know, it's definitely just trying to be just open and, and, uh, you know, and listening, and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and we'll just see. We'll just see what God has in store. Yeah. So other than other than having, I mean, one of the tracks with the title, all the people said, and I'm going to say it the Canadian way, Amen, um, <laughs> instead of Amen. It, it, why did you choose that to be the the title of the album? Is there a significance to that title? Well, there's a, to me, a significance of the word. And what does the word amen really mean? And obviously for me as a Catholic, the highest point of that word comes at, it's the great amen. Yeah. It's, it, you know, right. it's the culmination of the Eucharistic prayer. prayer. Yep. And, um, and I, so I, I was curious. I always like to find sort of colloquial Christian phrases and look up and try to find out where they come from. Because they all have, you know, semi-liturgical or historical roots. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that phrase, uh, you know, and all God's people said, or let all the people say amen, mm-hmm. and all the people said amen, it actually comes from the book of Chronicles. And it was when yeah. David brought the ark back, yep. ark back, and they celebrated. He recited one of his psalms, and then it said, and all the people said amen. Yeah. 
And and so I think for me, the the idea of taking a phrase and then sort of examining and asking what's worth saying amen to mm. in sort of our current context. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I sort of I talk about the Beatitudes in the bridge of the song, mm-hmm. because I think that there's a profound, and actually, I mean, John Paul, the sec, John Paul the Great, or blessed John Paul II, yeah. he talked yes. about this um, at World Youth in Toronto. Mm-hmm. In the opening, his opening address was he, he called the church, he called the young people to be people of the Beatitudes. Yeah. You know, and I think there's, there's a really profound and prophetic calling in that because um, the Beatitudes are, are, are compassionate declarations. They're, um, they're concerned declarations. And um, they sort of carry to me the full measure and weight of the gospel in that nobody's left out. It, it, it carries a concern for the poor. Mm-hmm. It carries a concern for the oppressed. It carries a concern for the persecuted. You know, it carries a concern for the marginalized and the insulted. And those are all the, you know, the people that are really, really on God's heart. And so, and I think everybody in their life can identify with one of those kind of categories. You know, mm-hmm. you might not be materially poor, but we're all, we all share in a certain spiritual poverty. And, uh, and so I, I think that, so for like the anchor of that song really is trying to just, Sort of illuminate that um, mm-hmm. that calling, and and I think the the context of it for me has been in a live setting, sharing these songs, and um, trying to help the church to remember that she is a great work of art, like all the cathedrals and you know historical you know pieces that we have throughout church church history. Um, I just got done speaking to a bunch of evangelical worship leaders last night about right. how the, the cathedral in Cologne, it took 632 years to build. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, so what does that say about how we are called to build up not just uh, intentionally art and architecture, I said, but people. Yeah. I said, the, the level of investment we're called, if we're willing to put that much investment into, into architecture, yep. We have to be willing to put that much investment into people. In the living stones. Yeah, absolutely. The living stones. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, well, that's all the time we had. I could sit here and we could chat all day, but we can't. <laughs> but I, I know that you, you just said you're going to be touring. I mean, you're going to continue yeah. touring. Um, so I hope your wife is is okay with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's as far as I know, as soon as she's not, then, I'll make, then, then, you'll, then you'll hear from me. Yeah, exactly. Then there'll be an announcement. Exactly. Um, so, and I know you're coming. At least one of the one of those dates is in in London, in Ontario, in Canada. Yes. So, if people are in the London, Ontario area, that'll be July 10th. But you're going to be everywhere. I mean, there's pretty much every other state covered here. So, um, people just yeah. have to go to your website and check it out because um, you're uh, you're going to be around. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for 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 taking a little bit of time to share with us today and for this new album. It, it's so fun to hear you in the con- you know for the live pieces in concert. Um, it's just good stuff. Well, thank you so much for having me. Take care. Yep. Matt Marr's new album, All the People Said Amen, is now available. You can learn more and get all of Matt's music and other cool stuff at his website, mattmarmusic.com. We're going to put that link on our website so you can find it easily. And here now is Matt with the title track of this new album, All the People Said Amen. Well,
Listening to the title track of Matt Mars, All the People Said Amen. That concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org/radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro.